Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another scintillating edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 128. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Dotson, joining me uh, as he often does, uh, the only reasonable host of this podcast, our man Bill Lack. How are you doing today, Bill? I've been called a lot of things in my life. Very seldom, if ever, have I been called reasonable. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. I'm trying to... Uh, it took me a long time to figure out something I could call you that wouldn't offend you, so... Uh, I'm not that easy to offend. <laughs> that understood, understood. Well, uh, you want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds? Let's do that. All right, let's do that. That's uh, why we're here. Um, the Reds are we're inching closer to opening day. Uh, some things have been sorted out with respect to the roster. Some things are remain up in the air. Not a whole lot remains up in the air. But lots of questions about uh, some of the things that have been uh, quote unquote settled. But before we get on to uh, any other topic, I, we, I guess really, I, I don't want to talk about this, but I guess I guess we have to. Obviously, uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, had an article that quoted uh, Brandon Phillips and Joey Votto about their hitting approaches, and uh, you know, Brandon Phillips made some, well, I, I don't know any other way to say it, but ignorant comments, just some ignorant comments. I think people now are just worried about getting paid and worrying about on-base percentage instead of just winning the game. I play the game to win. I don't play the game for stats. I'm not talking about nobody else. I don't penalize nobody. I don't talk negative about nobody. I'm just talking about me. Maybe I'm just different. Um, He's different. Uh, he is different. Uh, what did you think about that article, and uh, it, did, did it surprise you at all? Well, not, nothing in it surprises me. I and, and, you know, everybody that listens to us regularly knows I'm not a big fan of Brandon Phillips. I think he's the, the, the consummate me guy. Uh, I didn't think either one of these guys came off looking good out of this article. I thought Joey made some comments that sounded pretty ignorant, too. Uh, but we, we can talk a little bit more about that later. But I, I've had a couple of my friends that I asked to read this, and, and there's been varying uh, opinions as to whether he was actually taking a direct shot at Joey Votto. I had... You know, these are people that are bitter Reds fans and sports fans, and, and I had a couple of friends that said they didn't see it as a shot at Votto. I did. I saw it as a direct shot at Votto, because and, and part of it's based on the you know the crap that he said in Cincinnati Magazine. Um, Brandon doesn't understand the game. He doesn't understand that the, the that the science and understanding of the game has changed. 
Uh, he's the John. I, he's the John Daly of the Cincinnati Reds. You know, grip it and rip it. Uh, his comments just are, are, are ridiculous. And uh, Lance McAllister on his blog just went berserk and and and, and talked about you know that that Brandon is. You know, the, the Joey Votto avoid a, a quote here. I'll, I can read a couple lines of it. Joey Votto avoids outs and gets on base at a higher rate than any active player in Major League Baseball. Fact, Brandon Phillips is an out-making machine. He's finished in the top six in outs made in five of the last eight seasons. His on-base percentage over the last three seasons is just 313 compared to Votto's 439. The Major League average on-base percentage in 2014 was 314. You know, and, and we, and we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're speaking to the choir here, I understand, but, you know, the, the biggest correlation to wins and to runs scored in this game is on base percentage. Uh, you know, uh, Phillips likes to talk about RBIs and, and, and Lance makes the point that, you know, that, that Phillips' big RBI year, uh, in, in 2013 when he drove in 103 runs, why did he do that? Because Joey Votto and Sin Su Chu got on base 616 times in front of him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I agree with your friends that say it was a direct shot at Votto. I don't know how you read it any other way, really. I mean, if you look at the, what he said, I'm I had gonna, friends I'm that didn't think it was. Though. I, my, I had a couple of friends that did not see it that way. You know, or, or, and these aren't these are not and these are people that aren't real big fans of Brandon Phillips either. That was so, my question because there are a lot of fans of Brandon Phillips that want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I don't mind giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. He's uh, he's been a good player on the whole for the Reds, but he has no clue about uh, what uh, what helps the team win. None. Um, he's got you know he he's got the smile and he's got the personality that he likes to show off to everyone, and he's probably going to be uh, on television at some point, which kind of scares you. But here's here was here was his quote at the risk of quoting him again. Here's the big quote I thought that I thought was a really an attack on, on, on Votto. Not, maybe not an attack, but just referencing Votto. I don't do that MLB network on base percentage blank. Uh, I don't know where he got the idea that MLB network invented on base percentage, but that's a different story, I guess. I think that's messing up baseball. I think Here's, here's the quote where he, I think he's referencing Votto. I think people now are just worried about getting paid and worrying about on base percentage instead of just winning the game. Uh, that's the new thing now. I feel like all these stats and all these geeks upstairs, they're messing up baseball. They're just changing the game. Um, if you don't get on base, then you suck. When he says, I think people now are just worried about getting paid and worrying about on-base percentage instead of just winning the game. How? Maybe if you're, if you're just reading that, you don't have any idea about, uh, if you read it in a vacuum, you don't realize the debate that's been going on for the last three years in Cincinnati. Maybe not. But when you consider that's been the debate around the Reds recently. Joey Votto's approach, he's the, the guy that gets paid uh, the most, and uh, people think he shouldn't be worrying about on-base. Marty Brenneman thinks he shouldn't be worrying, quote-unquote, worrying about on-base percentage so much. I don't know how you read that as anything but a reference to Votto. Uh, explain to me how. Well, I, I, I think you and I and, and, and people that are here locally that, that feel the way we do also see it in the context of things that were said in the Cincinnati Magazine article. Where he took a shot exactly. at Votto, took a shot at his contract. Uh, right after Votto got paid, yes. Right. You know, so I think we're seeing it as a follow-up to that or, or a, an addendum to that. Um, 
some of these other people see it as two different things. And you know, I, I agree with you. I see the same. I say the same thing. I, I think it's a direct shot at Joey Votto. Um, he just he doesn't get it, you know. And 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 we're going to talk a little bit more about the lineup in a minute. But but the other thing that bothered me about the, there were some things about this article that bothered me though because then. You know, he goes on and talks about how, how Vado's become, you know, a punch and Judy hitter. I think he likens him to Wade Boggs. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then nowhere in this, you know, Wade Boggs is a Hall of Famer, so that, you know, there's nothing wrong with being Wade Boggs. <laughs> but nowhere in this article, when they talk about the change in his in his power in the last, you know, from, from 2010, nowhere does it mention knee injuries in the last two years. Not mentioned once. And how can you have a legitimate article where you talk about the power, you know, the the, the, lock, 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 the loss of power in the last two years, and you don't even mention the fact that the guys, he missed, you know, part of one season and half of another with knee problems, you know, or, or something around the knee. I know muscle, knee, blah, blah, blah. But with, with leg problems. Here's uh, why you don't mention that, because there's a narrative there that Bob yeah. Nightingale wanted to follow, which is that his power suffering because he quote unquote worrying about on base percentage too much. Yeah, you don't, don't, let, don't let the facts get in the way of the story. Exactly, exactly, and that's uh, what's happened here. Uh, but but that being about, said, you know, I think Joey said some stupid things in this article too. A quote that he said, "No, I, you know, when asked if this was simply a matter of Bob showing confidence in teammates or if he changes approach in a weaker lineup, he said, "No, I don't care about the people around me. It wouldn't matter to me. It never made a difference in my career." I've never been in a situation where I was getting pitched differently, except when Billy Hamilton's on first. That makes Joey sound like like a very selfish individual. I understand what he's saying, but it's not, it wasn't a well thought out quote. Yeah, absolutely. He he he's he's saying you know my approach doesn't change because I there are things I can do to help a team, and I have to hit a certain way to help the team the the most that I can. It comes across. It does. I agree with you. It comes across as it's all about me, yeah. and, and that plays right into the narrative that some people want to spin. Frankly, um, yeah. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago when we were, you know, we were we were kind of, you know, hitting on this a little bit. And I said at the time, I said, well, I can take, you know, Paul Doherty, who 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 in his in his blog this week said, yeah, RBIs don't mean, you know, his his typical snarky comments that he does in his blog. You know, the Marty Brennan's and the Paul Doherty's on one side of the equation and Brandon Phillips on their side of the equation or Joey Votto and Peter Edward Rose on the other side. I- I'll go with Votto and Rose. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the team I'll take. Um, you know, and, and I yeah. say this all the time, and, and, and I had an argument, I, I, not an argument, I had a discussion with a friend yesterday at the gym about, about this article and and he said, "Well, yeah, but you got to take into account that it's a situational game, and there are times that you, and, and, and there's some truth to that. You know, there are times that you want to get a fly ball. You know, you know, but you and I believe, and, and Lance McAllister says the same thing in in his blog. The times that you're willing to give away outs are very few. You know, and I'm not saying never." But but there aren't many times that I'm willing to give up an out. I'm, I'm giving up an out to win a ball game. I'm not winning, you know, giving up an out for for to move a guy over or to you know, right or to get but, one run across on a sack fly in the second inning or something. Right, right. 
you know, and, and the the idea, you know, the two things I keep thinking of is you get eight Brandon Phillips and I'll take eight Joey Votto's. Let's see who wins more ball games. Yeah, let's go play. Yeah. Let's go play. Um, and, 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 you know, the debate, what the Reds need more of is, you know, the Reds last year on base percentage was 296, which 29th out of 30 teams. That was the lowest Reds team on base percentage since 1908. Now, that's not 2008. That's 1908. That's, a, wow. that's almost unbelievable. It, you know, and, and, and the people that talk about it being situational, and, and I understand what they're talking about, but the thing is, what people, what I believe is common sense, and, and I've never seen stats to back this up, so this is just my opinion, if, if, if you had a whole team of guys that were selective at the plate, and I'm not saying they're all going to be Joey Votto because they're not going to all be Joey Votto. But, if you know, if you've got guys that are up there making pitchers throw strikes, you know, your team is going to become known for that. Pitchers are going to start giving you better pitches to hit. They're not going to nibble as much because they know that, they, you know, that you're not going to go fishing. You start getting better pitches to hit, you're going to hit more, you know, you're going to get more base hits. You're not going to have to draw as many walks. Right. It just seems you know, now I'm sure somebody could dig up numbers to either to either prove that point or prove it wrong. I've never tried to do that, but it, it seems like a common sense idea to me that that you know eight guys in the lineup and they're all being selective at the plate. Over time, they're going to start getting better pitches to hit when when word gets around that this team doesn't just you know we don't have a bunch of Vladimir Guerrero's up there, Brandon Phillips. That are swinging balls, bouncing in the dirt and everywhere else, you know. What frustrates me about this is that this is a debate that is not going away. I mean, it's just, it's not. It, we're going to have to deal with this continually until Vado is no longer red, I'm afraid. And, and, and sort of the wider world of baseball analysts are sort of giggle about it because this horse has left the barn. I mean, this is not even an argument anymore. Uh, Dan Simborski. Uh, who writes various places uh, that I like, but uh, ESPN especially. But uh, he tweeted, a baseball player criticizing on-base percentage at this point is like a surgeon complaining about washing his hands. I mean, it, there's no there's no debate. There is no argument. Yeah, that's perfect. I read that the other day, too. It's just perfect. I mean, and, and the people that are arguing it against it, uh, you know, and it, other than Brandon Phillips, are, are the old-school guys. And, and the, the funny thing is, most of, a lot of those guys now are younger than I am, you know. So for an old guy, I'm not an old school guy. In some <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, what frustrates me is that Brandon Phillips has a, had a good career. He does not get on base. There are things he does not do well, and there are reasons why he doesn't do, do those things well. But he has. He, there are lots of things he has done well, and he's been, uh, you know, on the whole, an above average second baseman in the major leagues for a long time. Um. It's still a, and, still a, a way above average defensive second base. To this yeah, day, I mean, I, you know, there are things that he does. Well, offensively, he's just it's been a, a sort of a massive uh, decline for the last several years. But I guess by him going out and, uh, and and making comments like this, and by the Reds, frankly, we're going to talk about the lineup in a moment. You know, hitting him in places in the lineup where he doesn't belong, it changes the narrative about Brandon. Whereas, you know. I could I could get I could get I could go along with the uh, 
uh, you know, the idea that Brandon Phillips has been uh, you know a great red uh, all these years and remembered fondly as a red, and he changes the narrative about him away from the things he does well, to, so that we're talking about things he can't do well. Um, if that makes any sense, it's just it's it's just it's silly to me that we're having to have this argument. Why can't we just appreciate Brandon Phillips? For being a strong defensive second baseman who, at his peak, was a pretty good offensive guy. He's declining now, as all second basemen do at that age. But still, pretty good glove. Um, a guy that's played hurt for the Reds uh, because he you know, wanted to get out on the field, felt like he's letting his team... I mean, there, there are narratives you could have about Brandon. He's done himself a big disservice, I guess is what I'm saying, because the argument that he's trying to make, that's an argument that no thinking person can really defend at this point, except for Marty Brenneman. I, I agree. The line, the line as well that of that whole article <laughs> that I thought was the uh, I've never heard uh, Brandon Phillips utter. Some of those comments were out of ignorance, as I said. Just he doesn't know, doesn't understand, and has not uh, thought about it the way that some other people have. But the one thing he said that was just an absolute bald faced lie was this one quote, and I don't give a damn what people think about me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone who cares more about what people think about him. Yeah. Uh, we, we know that firsthand, don't we? We do, because, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously he has uh, sent us some uh, clever messages at Relignation upset when we say something about him that uh, he does not approve of. So. Yeah, there, there's definitely the, the – and, and, I, and I've brought this up a lot of times, and I notice it when I'm down in the ballgame. And if you're down in the ballgame, I'm telling you, if you watch, when they come out on the field at the beginning of the ballgame, the last guy out of the dugout every game is Brandon Phillips because he wants to make an entrance all by himself. Yep. And he'll find an opportunity, though, to take a selfie with uh, with someone in the front row, you know, because, oh, he's all about the fans. He's all about and it. I, he's all about it. I, I know you've, you're, you've been sort of uh, on Phillips' case for a long time, and I was early, and then he sort of won me over a little bit, and now I'm just very frustrated with him. Uh, I just hate that. I was, ready for him to, I was ready for him to go a couple of years ago when they were when, when reportedly they were trying to trade him in the off season, and I thought it would have been a great. At that point, I would have traded him for anything. Anything? Damn near any. A, a, a bench shit can and two old baseballs. <laughs> wow. Um, just I, I think you know I think it's addition by it would have been addition by subtraction. I just can't believe that he's not a problem in the clubhouse. Now, I may be, I'm not in there, never been in there, other than on a tour. I may be completely wrong. I, you know, he may be a great teammate. Because, I mean, they always say guys are great teammates until after they're gone, you know. Uh, but I was ready for him to go a couple of years ago. And, and, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not saying I'm right in that, but I just, I just can't believe that he's not a problem. Well, whether he should be gone or not, you have to, uh, I guess, realize that the Reds have not had anyone to take that position uh, in a while, and, and they've struggled to fill other positions on the field, too. So if you're waiting on Walt Jockety to, to find someone that uh, can replace Brandon Phillips, good luck. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I, thinking about the minor league system, I can't think of anybody in the minor league system that's ready to come up and play second base unless you unless yeah. you talk about, about the kid that, that they got from Detroit. Yeah, Suarez. Are you Eugenio Suarez? There it is. There it is. I, uh, I, I was just a lead in, you know. I appreciate that. No, yeah, but I, I want him at shortstop. Uh, you know, well, let's so let's compound the Brandon Phillips problems. <laughs> By Brian Price's apparently uh, decision that he's going to hit him in the three holes. 
what in the name of all that is good and pure is Brian Price thinking? And there, there's no justification whatsoever for having Brandon Phillips number three in the lineup. And unless you can come up with one for me, I don't know what it is. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more in a little while about, about Price and, and, and about Price. But uh, I can think easily of four guys that I'd hit in front of Brandon Phillips, that I'd hit in a three-hole before I'd hit. So, I can think of six guys. But, uh, maybe five. You know, well, I mean, and that's not counting Votto because apparently they're going to hit Votto in the two. Well, and, and I, I don't have any problem batting Votto second. I, I don't I either. I, you know, de- depending on how, depending on which Joey Votto we're, we're going to get, if, if he's the, the anything close to the Joey Votto of, of, of 2010, 2011, you know, early 2011, wasn't that? Yeah. I want him in a three hole, but he's a, if he's the Joey Votto that's not going to hit you know twenty five or thirty home runs, then I want him in the two hole. Well, I, I look at this lineup and I think I probably if I'm making up a lineup, I probably have him number three anyway because there's no other person I'd rather have there. I think you're right. If you have uh, another hitter like that Votto from uh, from 2010 and 11, or if Votto were that guy, he's definitely a number three hitter. Yeah. Um, here, I would probably bat him third because I don't see anyone else better to hit third. But it's sort of in a vacuum. I don't have any problem with him hitting second, especially as much as he's going to get on base. Right. Um, but he's when he gets on base, he's going to stay right there on base. Um, well, I mean, and, and if, if, if Hamilton is, is, is getting on base at a reasonable rate. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, and the only thing we can hope is that he improves on last year. You know, because that's the only thing that's reasonable for him. To, you know, you can't expect this kid to make quantum quantum leap jumps. I don't think in his second year. You hope so, but you know, if if he can get on base at a three twenty, let's say three twenty percentage, he's. He, he, I mean, he's a factor. And and him on first base gets Joey Votto more fastballs to hit. You know, they're going to make more mistakes to Joey Votto in the two hole if Hamilton's on first base. But, or if they if they if they continue to try to you know not necessarily pitch around Votto but not give him too much to hit, either Hamilton's going to run wild or Phillips is going to have two guys on base in front of yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and in that case, you know, he's back to where he was when they had Sinchin Chu and, and, and you know and Votto hitting in front of him. Um, but there's no logical reason for hitting Joe, or Brandon Phillips in a three hole. Uh, there just isn't. I mean, Frazier would be a better bet. Mazaraka would be a better bet. Bird would be a better bet. Bruce would be a better bet. Now, that you know, we both know that they're not going to hit Bruce. Even though Price last year said, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't bother me to hit Bruce and Votto back to back. It ain't happening. Yeah, he said, he said a lot of things that he's has never done. Um, Brandon Phillips, the last two years, slugging percentage, 386. He will uh, – I don't even think it's going to be, even be close. If he bats third for the Reds this year, it will be by far the worst number three hitter in all of baseball. Well, and third, it, was, it was 386 or 384 or whatever on a downward slope because the last three years, this slugging percentage has gone from 429 to 396 to 372. Right. Yeah. I mean, are you expecting him to sort of pop back all of a sudden in his mid-30s 
to being an effective hitter? I mean, who believes that's going to happen? Brian Price? I, it's crazy. I got, I got nothing. It's complete insanity. I mean, I'd put Frazier there. I'd put uh, Meserocco. Well, frankly, I would probably put Meserocco there out of the available options. Um, Jay Bruce fourth. Marlon Bird, or Todd Frazier fifth. Marlon Bird sixth. Phillip uh, seven. Phillip seven. A Cozart eight. You know, Marlon Bird or Frazier, or probably actually Meserocco is going to end up hitting seventh in this lineup. Devin Meserocco, who. Uh, Hit 273, 359 on base percentage, 534 slugging percentage. I bet he's going to end up hitting seventh on this team. <laughs> With Brandon Phillips hitting third. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't think Miserocco is going to be as good as he was last year. He's going to regress a little bit, but he's still going to be an effective major league hitter. You don't, he's not going to regress that much. He's going, to be a, uh, he's going to be a more effective hitter than Brandon Phillips. Yeah, he's, there's no way in the world he'll regress enough to be uh, below Phillips. I would um, say... I would say all four of those guys will be a better hitter than Brandon Phillips. I, in fact, I would bet a fair amount of money on that. Yeah, I think I think there are five guys on the Reds that are a really good uh, bet to be better than uh, than Phillips. Yeah, counting year. Votto. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, counting Votto, Votto, Frazier, Mizrocco, Bird, okay. Bruce. And I know we've talked a little bit about Bird. I think he's going to have a pretty good year for this team. I think he, I think he hits. I think the ballpark sets up well for him. You know, I, I think he feels like he wants to show he's still got a little something left in the tank. I, I think he's going to be a good, you know, a good one or year, year, a year, year and a half fill in left field, holding holding the spot for Jesse Winker. Well, here's my thoughts about Bird. You know, you first hear about the acquisition, you think, what well, really? You know, it's a guy we could have had for free a year and a half ago. When he was put on yeah, waivers, but, you know, we've beat that one to death, and there really isn't any point. Are you suggesting that we stop beating something to death? That's all we've been doing for 128 episodes of this podcast, Bill. <laughs> beating everything to death. Yeah, we're, um, we're still talking about Brandon Phillips and on base. <laughs> I know, gosh, somebody. 128 episodes later, wonder what we did talk now. about the first episode. I'm afraid to go back and listen, um, <laughs> but. But anyway, where I'm going is that I was not particularly excited, and I don't think he's going to be any kind of a world beater. But I think given what we've had in left field the last couple of years, uh, if he can handle the position defensively, and he's played, what, like six games there since 2009 in left field, if he can handle it defensively and be adequate, I mean, it's not like he's replacing. Ludwig couldn't play defensively out there. He's going to hit better than, than anyone, than Ludwig or Heisey that the Reds out there, or Shoemaker. Um He's an upgrade, so whether he, I don't know if he's going to be an above-average left fielder or not, but he's an upgrade. He's going to be better than what we've had, and I th- I'm with you. I, I don't know that he's going to be a star, but I think we'll be he'll be satisfactory. I, I guess he'll be above time. average. I think his OPS plus will be above 100. Well, if that happens, uh, then uh, bring it on. I mean, I'll be I'll be really happy. But if it's somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, you know, if that OPS plus is between 95 and 105 somewhere, it'd be fine with me. Um, it, because, again, that's going to be a pretty significant upgrade from what the Reds got left last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and he's, whether he hits well or not, he's going to have some pop. He's going to hit my, you know, 25 home runs, I would guess. I mean, common sense or, or, or law of average, or, this team should have three to four to five guys with 20, 20 to 20 home runs and up. 
And and I'll tell you what, I think our number three hitter is going to have at least six home runs. Sorry, I had to go there. Well, um, he hit six last year, so it might only be four this year. <laughs> Maybe if he's on that decline. No, you're right. I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know what to expect from Frazier. What do you have, 29 last year? Um, can I mean, Mesoraco I think Frazier, Mesoraco, Bird, and Bruce, and Votto will all, and, 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 and I'm, I'm waiting to steal on Votto, but I think Frazier, Mesoraco, Bird, and Bruce will all hit over 20. We've talked a lot about how the Reds are really going to be heavily dependent on these guys staying healthy. But if if those guys are healthy, you know, 20 home runs in the current offensive environment, not bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, they could they could put some yeah they could put some runs on the board. Um, and if you look at, if you look at their at their numbers across the board, you know, uh, Frazier, Mesoraco, Bird was above average offensively last year. Votto, obviously, all world. If Hamilton can get on base, if if yeah. if I know. And, 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 you know, you have to believe Bruce is going to recover from a bad year last year. I, 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 nobody, you know, nobody wants to admit it, but he was never, he came back from the knee thing too soon, and he was never the, the he was never Jay Bruce. If there's one guy on the team this year that I'm the most interested in watching to see how uh, how he performs, it's and it, with about whom there are more questions, it's Jay Bruce, because guys at his age, age 27, don't, they don't fall off the edge of the world like Bruce did last year. It just doesn't happen without played, some external reason. Right, but he played three quarters of the year with a funky knee, you know. So, so if he's healthy, maybe he's back to being the All Star, Jay Bruce. And if so, that's a, that's a huge upgrade in right field. Yeah, uh, we could be up, upgraded. Matter of fact, it's not far fetched to believe the Reds could have serious upgrades in left field, center field, and right field if, if Hamilton improves and Bruce gets back to being Bruce. Um, that's that's a pretty big deal. Yes, it is. Um, and yet still, Brandon Phillips will be batting third. Oh, goodness. Um, where do we want to go next? I've, we, I've, I'm tired of talking about Brent. Let's talk about the pitching. You want to talk about the pitching? Let's talk about pitching a little bit. This is not going to make us our head hurt any less when we start talking about what's happened in the, uh, in the Reds' uh, starting rotation. Obviously, the Reds started the spring, and um, I think the Reds pretty much declared the uh, the pitching rotation race to be sort of a, I think the quote was, a six-way dead heat. Uh, and we were told that uh, Singrani and Disclafani were the favorites to be the fourth and fifth starters. Uh, for a while. For a while, behind Cueto and, and Leak and, uh, and who am I forgetting? Homer, Homer Bailey. Um, and how could I forget Homer Bailey? Uh, well, all of a sudden... Mid-March, Singrani is all of a sudden moved to the bullpen. For, with no reason really given. <laughs> really? No, no explanation that I read anywhere. Right. You know, you know, there have been a lot of people that have been saying for years, that, for a couple of years, that <clears throat> you know he, he's only one-pitch pitcher and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but he's I'm willing to believe. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that he may be better suited for the bullpen. I don't know. Uh, it was really strange the way it happened, though, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Because it was all of a sudden, because they sent Holmgren, Holmgren, is that a kid's name? Holmgren. They sent him to the minor league. You know, he was supposedly in the running. They sent Sengrani to the bullpen, and and Price kind of announced the rotation. And when he announced that rotation, first of all, nobody saw, and I I don't know that I've heard the guy's name uh, said too often, so I'm going to probably, Iglesias. Rysel Igle- Iglesias, the uh, the Cuban guy, 
Um, Is he a singer? Who, I think so, yes. Um, so he's multi-talented. Multi-talented. Uh, he's announced as being the uh, a starting pitcher in the in the rotation, which I, I could actually live with that. He's got, uh, you know, he's, he's really got a uh, uh, a live arm. I thought he would be in the uh, bullpen. I thought he would follow the Aroldis Chapman path, and they'd leave him in the bullpen. But he's in the rotation at this point. Filling in, in for Bailey, which means that he's probably gone to the bullpen as soon as Homer gets gets back. Or to Louisville. Anthony, or to Louisville to start, right, um, which would be I'd be fine with that as well. I always thought that they kept talking like they would send Iglesias to Louisville, let him stretch his arm out and be a starter. I always felt like they'd, he was, had too live of an arm, and they'd bring him north with the, uh, I guess, east with the team, and uh, he'd be in the he'd be in the bullpen to start the season. But the the Bailey injury gave him a chance to let him start the season. Um, Anthony DiScalfani, and I've gone on record as saying I think he is going to be a that Reds fans are going to be very very happy with DiScalfani. He had a big game he's the other Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's had a good spring. He's He's a guy that I'd have no problem uh, with him being in the uh, in the rotation. The thing is, and, and and we've said this how many times? He's young. He's going to struggle at times. I'm sure we talked about that in the episode number one, Bill. You were talking about what we. <laughs> I don't. We've repeated that. We we say that about young players all the time, and then the first time they struggle, they no, oh, this guy sucks. We need to get rid of yeah, this guy's a bum. Yeah, young guys going to get better. Right, he will struggle. He'll be an up and down, but I think he's got some. I think he's got some potential. I'm excited about it. Uh, the one that just completely baffles me is the Reds announced Jason Marquis is in the starting rotation for, for the long Reds. term. For and, the and long term, something along those exact lines. I mean. That, you know, and, and I'm with you. Yep. I, I can't find the quote, but Brian Price did say something about it. it's a it's a long term thing. I do find see this quote. I really didn't expect to see the arm strength, the crispness of his breaking ball, and the command. Manager Brian Price said, "I think he's just a savvy, experienced, successful big league pitcher." What do we make of that? Successful, huh? Yeah, how successful? Yeah. I think he has. I don't think he's been successful since 2009. Um, <laughs> yeah, if then. Yeah, and I think Steve had a, had a post. You know, talked about this on the blog, where this is an example of Brian Price falling back into the the comfort zone. You know, the the, the I, think was, I, think that, I think that article's by our buddy uh, Chris Garber, actually, who came oh, out of semi-retirement. To ramble a little bit, and it was a great post. If you haven't read it at RedLegNation.com, go check it out. It's called "The Reds' Bad Idea" by uh, Chris yeah. Garber. You know, and, and and he couldn't be more right. I don't think you know, and the fact that this is just another example of, of Brian putting his Dusty Baker hat on and and <laughs> and falling back under the you know the the wily veteran. You know, you got to have that wily veteran. Yeah, uh, Chris. Uh, qu- uh, quoted uh, Price from earlier in, in the spring, and he called it a perfectly Dusty-like rationale when, when Price was sort of given a hint that Paul Mahalam or Jason Marquis had a shot. A veteran guy would be very, fairly important, someone who knows how to manage a game and has pitched in the league and has had success in the league. Don't uh, we have Joe, Johnny Cueto? 
Johnny, yeah, he's, he's been pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Can we start Johnny Cueto five days out of five? Uh, you know, I... <laughs> here, here's the thing. Um, and, 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 and you know what? Guess who's starting, guess who's first start Marquise against once the regular season starts? Don't tell me the Cardinals. Yep. Oh, gosh. His old team. Well, that's uh, why he's here. <laughs> that's why he's here. And that's why Paul Mahalam didn't win the, the spot, because Paul Mahalam never pitched for St. Louis. That's right, because uh, you know, Jockety has a pipeline. I, I think <laughs> these guys that used to pitch for the Cardinals, I think he's got them all in a Rolodex. I saw someone say that uh, he's trying to set the record for, uh, or he's trying to make sure that he gives every former Cardinal their last big contract. Uh, yeah. In the league, or the last contract in the their league, last, or their last bad contract, you know. But, but right, I, th- I thought Chris made a good point. You, you sort of alluded to it a moment ago as well, which is that this looks to me like a guy, Brian Price. He's only in his second year, but he has to be feeling a little bit of pressure because Dusty Baker, for, for better or worse, won a lot of games um, during the time he was in Cincinnati, and the Reds had a down year last year. Price is uh, a brand new manager who probably has a short leash. And he, so he, he falls back to what managers have fallen back to for ages, since the beginning of baseball, veterans. But, but my question is, if you've got to have a veteran starter like that, why Marquis over Paul Mahalam? I mean, I don't understand that. You know, Mahalam has uh, had some decent seasons in the more recent past than Marquis. Uh, maybe it's how they look this spring. I don't know. Again, I'm not a, I, I can't evaluate them. He don't. Have, but, he doesn't have the same veteranness. <laughs> He's not veterany enough. That's right. Uh, it's that veteran it's, stew. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't. I don't understand the point. It, well, here's what I don't understand. Okay, if you want Marquis to make uh, four or five starts uh, when you need it, when you need a guy early in the season because somebody's hurt. Okay, fine. But all the talk has been Iglesias is the guy that's leaving. Marquis is there for the long haul when Homer Bailey comes back. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't. Ha- I actually wouldn't mind having a guy like Marquis in AAA in case there are injuries and you need somebody to come up and make a start like Holmberg did last year. And um, I could handle that, but he's been sort of handed the keys to the rotation, and I can't entirely figure out why. I mean, I, what what's the reason to make that decision so early in spring training? Well, and and this is this is you know where we were headed next is. And maybe this goes back to what Chris said. Maybe this is the pressure of being in the second year of a two-year contract. I believe he's on a two-year contract. Uh, and feeling the pressure. It's just like the Cozart thing that we talked about a couple podcasts ago. You know, Cozart's been horrible offensively for two and a half years, at least. And, and early in spring training, when there was someone that in camp that could have given him some competition – they say, well, there is no competition. He's the starter, and, and this kid's going to Louisville. Right, and then send him out to minor league camp uh, not yeah. too much lo- lo- later. You know, but there have been so many. The thing with the rotation, does it, you know, Price is making de- decisions and, and things that, that I had high, high hopes for Brian Price when the, the, when the Reds named him manager. I said, you know, this guy's a thinker. You know, he's an, you know I assume he's a, you know, I, I thought he was an original thinker. He'd be afraid, wouldn't be afraid to, Try things against the book and, and blah 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 and and from you know the Chapman thing last year where he said he wouldn't be afraid to use Chapman for two innings. Well, this year he's completely changed that. 
He said, you know, you'll, you just won't see Chapman for more than one inning. Um, the, the early decision on the rotation and, and the decision that they made on the rotation, the Cozart thing. Um, Bra- uh, Badenhop, who is, I mean, he's been terrible in spring training. I readily admit it, but we all know he's making the ball club. But Price and came out and the- said that he's a situ- Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go yeah, ahead. Price has, come, Price has come out and said he's a situational guy. He's not our, our eighth inning setup guy. I, you know, I just don't understand that. This guy had a, had a hell of a year last year. Why would you Who's say better? It's the same thing with Marshall. You know, well, who's better poised to be the setup guy? I'm sorry. Two points that I have real quick. Who's better poised to be the setup guy? And number two, why announce that? Why make that comment? Right. I don't understand the, the purpose of it. Um, and, and, and how about this? Michael Lorenzen, there's some talk now that he may uh, be a, sort of a long man candidate for the bullpen. And we're going to talk about how we think the, the roster is going to shape up and some of these uh, – the bench and, and, and the bullpen. But – wouldn't you rather have Michael Lorenzen as that uh, in, in place of Marquis in the rotation? They're talking about maybe maybe him making the team in the bullpen, but man, if you're going to put somebody in that fifth spot, why not a guy like Lorenzen who has a chance to be a decent starter, uh, a mid-rotation starter in the major leagues? Yeah, it, it's almost like they're Chapmanizing him. Uh, and, and if it's just a short-term thing, and then, you know, at some point in the year they're going to send him down to Louisville and let him stretch out, that you know. But it really concerns me what they're doing with him. The guy that they're talking about doing the setup is Greg, this Greg guy. That's not even he's a non-roster guy. And uh-huh. the the thing that, uh, that that I'm seeing is is they're going to have to make a lot of forty man moves if the roster shakes out the way everybody seems to think it's going to. Yeah, there are guys certainly on the bench as well, uh, Brennan Bush and uh, Chris Dominguez, possibly. Um, They'll need a 40-man spot. With respect to Lorenzen, who's one of the top uh, three, four prospects in the minor leagues for the Reds, I've always been a big proponent of a guy like Lorenzen coming up and, and pitching out of the bullpen to get his feet wet. It's sort of the old Earl Weaver uh, plan, you know, from back in the day. And I've really just become – I would say this is the same thing about Iglesias as well. Let him get his feet wet in the major leagues, get some innings, and, uh, and be a big leaguer. But after the whole Chapman, Aroldis Chapman situation, in which they kept saying they were going to bring him back to the bullpen or from the bullpen to the, the rotation, they never, ever did. I, I guess I'm just a little gun shy. And I think Lorenzen has a chance to be maybe his ceiling's a number two starter, probably a three or a four guy. But that's still a, you know, there's still real value in a, in a solid number three starter in the major leagues. I worry about putting him in the bullpen because he pitches well in the bullpen. All of a sudden, he's going to be a bullpen guy. Same with Singrani. Now, Singrani, as we said, I, I guess I'm willing to believe that his strength is as a reliever. Because, you know, what do I know? I'm just some idiot talking uh, into my uh, microphone on my computer about baseball. But um, I just I get really scared when I see the Reds giving up on these guys if I feel like they've got a chance because I've seen them – give up, quote-unquote, on a guy being a starter, Aroldis Chapman, who I still believe could have been a number one ace starter in the major leagues. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm the same way. You just assume that the Reds – you get to the point where you just assume they're making the wrong decision. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the way to put it, yes. 
Um, um, and, and the thing is with, with the Iglesias kid and, and with uh, Lorenzen is you worry about their innings because they haven't started a whole lot of innings. You know, Iglesias hasn't pitched in a, in a game in two years, you know, other than a little bit, you know, in, in the Arizona Fall League in this spring. So, you know, you know they're going to keep a close eye on his innings. Um, so you wonder how much you could, you know, they'd be able to start. So right, if, you know, yeah, I, if they're out of the bullpen initially. The right. Right, yeah, I don't know what the right answer is, but I know it's not Jason Marquis. He's the right answer to some question. I'm just not sure it's the question that we want to be asking. You know, and we uh, both hope we're wrong. I hope this guy comes in here and wins the Cy Young Award. Sure, great story. Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, come back. And when he's pitching, I, I'm going to be, so you know, sitting here to, on my couch. There's nothing to make you believe that he's going to be successful. I agree. I agree. Um, let's move on, shall we? Yes. <laughs> let's talk. Let's. <laughs> every time we talk about something, I just start getting more frustrated about <laughs> the state of this team. Um, Badenhop has struggled, but uh, I think you're like me. You, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be okay. He's yep. a guy that I think the Reds fans are going to really like, isn't he? Yeah, and I think he's from from everything I've read about about he's a thinking he's a thinking man's pitcher from everything I've read, and and what he tries to do really seems like it'll fit well with the Reds' home ballpark. Right. Yeah. No, I think he's going to be fantastic. I think he's a guy that we're all going. What I worry about is uh, he has a first you know three weeks of the season. Uh, he has a couple of bad outings, and all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, persona non grata because that's what happens with Reds fans. Um, but I, I think he's probably, I think he's certainly going to make the team. I'm not probably, he's definitely going to make the team. I think other guys in that bullpen they're going to make the team. Obviously Chapman's Chapman's there, Lacure's there, Manny Parra and Singrani I think are there. I think Jumbo Diaz makes that bullpen. They're talking about Kevin Gregg, and it looks like it may come down to Kevin Gregg. Uh, versus uh, Michael Lorenzen Hoover. for that, or JJ Hoover. Um, that's a name that uh, they're a little down on JJ Hoover, uh, and Hoover did have a bad year last year. Uh, he's pitched well. He's pitched well in the spring. I'm looking at his. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at his numbers. Uh, yeah, and and uh, he's a guy that I sort of had to finally not give up on, but quit defending so much because uh, he's Hoover's got the stuff. Yeah, he, he struggled very bad, you know, greatly last year. Of course, so did Lecure. Not as bad, but you know, still struggled at times. Yeah, um, but I think Hoover's AAA to start the year. Um, I think they're, and and I don't know, um, his forty man spot may be up for grabs if they need to make some moves. If they do that, they'll lose him. He'll, somebody will grab him up. And, and if it comes down to Kevin Gregg versus JJ Hoover, uh, and you got to scramble to find a 40-man roster spot for Kevin Gregg. I don't know why you would go with Kevin Gregg over J.J. Hoover. I mean, Gregg seems like a good enough guy, and, you know, he had some time as a closer, so he has that, uh, you know, stamp on him of proven closer. Um, but he's 36 years old, you know, 36, 37 years old. Yeah, where are they going to find a place for him on the 60 uh, or the 40-man uh, roster? Sean Marshall is going to be placed on the 60-day disabled list, so that's going to free up one spot. But there are a couple of guys uh, fighting for bench spots. They're gonna, yeah, uh, spot well possibly. So yeah, Ber- the, the guy that broke his shoulder. What's his name? Bergoy Ber- or 
Listen, don't ask me. To, I can pronounce one player's name on the red. Have you heard me talk? You see, I, that's why. That's why I like the you know the big red machine. Those guys all had easy to pronounce names. <laughs> right. The, hard, I don't, I, the hardest one was Concepcion. You know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, the, the guy that broke his shoulder, they're saying he's probably going to go on the the sixty day also. So that's you know that's two spots that get you a little bit of time. But I think they're going to need more than two spots because of the uh, the bench. I mean. Uh, you like this Brennan Bosch. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know. How you pronounce his name? Brennan Bosch? Bosch? I, I'm not saying Bosch. I like him. I, I'm saying that I, I don't understand the abuse he's getting on the blog, and, and you know, and yet people are want to get people are ri- ripping this guy, and yet they want to give Chris Negron the, the you know the benefit of the doubt, and, and I and I just don't understand that. This guy has had you know, better numbers last year, much better numbers last year in the minor leagues. They're about the same age. Approximately the same age. Uh, Bosch has done something in, in the big leagues, not a whole lot, but you know he's done something in the big leagues, as opposed to Negron, who's you know sample size is you know about as big as a you know nothing. I I, I just don't get it. I, but I you know I, I hope they both make the team and hope both play well. But I you know if I had to bet on one of them being better than the other over the course of the year, I'll take Bosch over Negron. I think they both are going to make the team, and I think they both stink. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not, you know, and again, we're talking about the bench. So you're talking about the 23rd, 24th, 25th guys on the roster. I mean, we're not talking about guys that are necessarily going to have a huge impact. But uh, it's, it's, it's Bosch, according to uh, 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 BaseballReference.com. There you go. The uh, uh, there, there's your official pronunciation. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at this. The potential bench here is probably going to be Brian Pena and uh, Skip Schumacher. Those two guys are uh, definites. Uh, then, then Negron, I think Bosch, and I think this Chris Dominguez is going to make it because he can play both uh, corner infield and corner outfield spots. And I think that's what Dominguez and Bosch give you are guys who can uh, play a number of different positions, which I guess none of these guys are going to hit. And the Reds haven't had a guy on their bench that could hit in 100 years, it seems like. But at least, at least, well, right, uh, occasionally. But these guys will at least give you a little bit of flexibility. And, um, you know, I think Bosch and Dominguez could give the Reds a little bit of pop off the bench, somewhat, uh, you know. Uh, I think Bosch hit 25 homers in the minor leagues. Uh, I guess that was just last year. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I knew I'd seen that. Um, so they'll give him some pop off the bench, Uh I don't know. I I don't think we need to get too excited about any of these guys. Um, of course, how many I teams? How many teams have guys on their bench that you get excited about? You know, the Dodgers, I guess, do. The Yankees, you know. Well, that that's that that's true. And this team has not has had some really good seasons lately, with some pretty poor benches. Yeah. And so we may we, we probably overestimate how much that uh, affects the the team's chances to win. But on the other hand, I'm not. Not too excited about any of these guys. Assuming they stay healthy. Assuming, well, yeah. I, mean, I don't think it matters what the bench is, to be honest with you, because these guys could be replaced by guys at AAA or AA that are, uh, you know, marginally worse maybe. But the point is, if the starters don't stay healthy, this team has zero chance to compete. Yeah. They just—it's just the way it is. The starters are fine. It's a pretty good lineup if they're all healthy. 
But if they're not healthy, there's no. There, you may have a you know Suarez might be able to fill in if Brandon Phillips or Zach Kozar get hurt. Other than that, there are no legitimate uh, above replacement level substitutes for anyone else you, you, on, on the Reds roster. Maybe left field. Winker may be ready, uh, you know, in left field. Maybe um, if Bird got hurt. I, I tend to believe Winker's going to start the year in Double A. I don't know what Doug Gray would say, but I, you know, he didn't he didn't play that well in Double A before he got hurt last year. I tend to believe that's where they'll start him. Now, you know, that's not to say that if he doesn't, you know, he couldn't be in Louisville by, you know, middle of May, but. Yeah, he'll be in uh, wherever he is to start the season. I think he'll be in uh, Cincinnati in September, barring unforeseen circumstances, uh, for a, for a call up there at the end. And then uh, I don't know if he'll win the spot next spring or not. Bird may stick around and uh, and have that spot temporarily, but eventually Jesse Winker's your left fielder on this team. I'm excited about that. I, I'm a big fan of Jesse Winker. Yeah. All right, Bill. What else you want to talk about? How about Pete Rose? Shall we end with Pete Rose? No, before we before we get to the, the, the two seconds we're going to spend on Pete, and I want you to explain to me, the Reds cut uh, Soto. Neftali Soto. Resigned him. Then traded him for cash. Right. So that's almost, How much cash? That's almost, I don't care if it's $3. It's almost like getting something for nothing. <laughs> Right, but then they turned around and got a 35-year-old first baseman for cash or a player to be named later. <laughs> He'll be 36 this year. You're talking about Dan Johnson. Can you explain the logic of those two moves to me? When taken together, no. I I can't come up with any plausible explanation. None of us are big fans of Neftali Soto. I don't think you. No. Have any big uh, love for Neftali Soto, but you know you got a below replacement level guy in uh, Dan Johnson, who with the Blue Jays, uh, you know, negative WAR before that with the Orioles, negative WAR. He did have seven tenths of a of one uh, win above replacement in 2012 with the White Sox in 14 games, but uh, it's a guy that's just. I mean, I, dip, it I just makes no sense to me that that. You know, and I, and I have no problem with them trading Soto for money. You know, that's great, great for the kid. Maybe you'll get an opportunity somewhere else. But then to turn around and, and, and trade probably the same money, if not more, for a 36-year-old guy to play first base in Louisville? Hell, you could find a guy working on a beer truck in Louisville and play first base, and it and wouldn't cost you that much well. money. All right, probably hit as well as uh, Dan Johnson who hit 211 uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so, so you got nothing, what you're telling me. That's, well, that's what I'm telling you on just about every issue we t- discuss. But, you know, we're not, and, and it's not like we're getting upset about uh, no. <laughs> who the AAA first baseman is. It's just the dysfunction of the organization to me. The, 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 at least if there's, a, if there's a plan, it's not apparent. It's really funny. It makes no sense at all when you, when you put those two together. And it's not like, you know, we're stretching. These two are two uh, transactions that occurred in fairly close proximity to each other, you know, what, within a week? I think they were within a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, if you're asking me to defend Walt Jockety, I'm not going to do it, Bill. You can keep asking, but I'm not going to do it. Well, no, I was asking, I was, you know, I figured you could make the defense, you know, you could be the lawyer for the defense. <laughs> 
No thanks. That's not uh, that's not my profession. You don't want uh, that job. Look, yeah, you never had may, that job. <laughs> I may listen to uh, I may listen to lawyers for the defense uh, ramble on sometimes and uh, often rule in their favor, but this is one time when I can't. Uh, this is too close to call. I can't figure out any reasoning. You're not a defense lawyer, and you don't even play, and you do not play one on television. Not yet, not yet. Until until the Red Leg Nation Radio becomes uh, Red Leg Nation Television, I think was. We'll, so, let, so let's end this by by talking about Peter Edward Rose. I suppose we must. Do is, that. is this a story? I mean, is this a story or is this just stuff that he that he's a you know he's applied for reinstatement with the new commissioner and the Cincinnati Enquirer ran a three or a four part story you know story on. The whole bros situation again went into the Dowd report and blah blah blah, and and I, you know I, I've said I'm a big Pete Rose fan, always have been. I, I admit Pete, you know I know Pete did the ultimate sin in baseball, uh, and I don't think Pete should ever be allowed back with an on-field position in major or minor league baseball. But uh, I hope Pete gets in the Hall of Fame before he dies. That's just being an old Pete Rose fan. But I'm not sure there's much of a story here. I, I don't think there's a story here. I think that you could probably, if you wanted to uh, be, play devil's advocate and try to figure out why it's a story, it could be this. Uh, new commissioner, Rob Manfred, he, uh, you know, once he may want to uh, not just make headlines for himself, but where's the All Star Game this year? Yes, it is. It's right here in River City, Queen City of Cincinnati. That's the only way I could see this being a legit story. Except that they've already said that Pete will be a part of the All Star festivities. Right, but think about how much bigger that becomes. Oh yeah. When Pete Rose is now. <laughs> But the thing you've got to remember is baseball has always been had no problem whoring Pete Rose out when they wanted him. All for their own purposes, right? You know they they you know they used Pete Rose for the you know the all time what was the hundred year team or whatever you know every time they they wanted to use Pete he's come a running. And I, I mean I don't blame him. I'm not I'm not blaming Pete, but that. Baseball, sure, in the Pete Rose situation, they've had, they've had their cake and ate it, too. Oh, yeah, and Pete's going right along with it. Yep. I, I'm not going to waste any time here defending Pete Rose because Pete, every time – I'm like you. I grew up as a fan of, of Pete, but every time he may have had a chance to help himself, he's opened his mouth and said something dumb. He's not, never helped his own cause. Uh, on the other hand, you know, to this city, he's still Pete. You know he's still important to this city, and uh, and there's no question. I, I agree with you. He should never have a position on the field or, or with an organization in, in that respect. I could see, and maybe this is conspiracy theory, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I could see a scenario where this is the perfect time with the All Star Game in Cincinnati. I mean, think of it happened. You know, at some point early in the year. Think about the media that's going to be in Cincinnati to talk to Pete Rose. Think about all the uh, you know coverage that will be, and maybe they maybe they wouldn't want to uh, sort of undermine the All Star Game with that storyline because that would overtake everything. Um, 
Yeah, it would, be, I guess, it would become the story for the all, of the All-Star Game. How about this, though? You have your All-Star Game in Cincinnati. You've allowed Pete to become part of it. And then right after the game, that's when it, uh, it gets released. We're going to, you know, in a limited capacity, lift the suspension uh, or the lifetime ban. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it will happen this year. I, I think there's a possibility that it will happen before Pete, and I never would have said that with Bud Selig in charge, but I think there's a possibility of it happening. I don't, honestly, I can't really wrap my brain around it happening this year. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really think this is a story. I think it's just, you know, I, I think it got a lot more coverage. I, I think the you know Pete applying triggered the, the article in the Enquirer and, and, and you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just tired of listening to it, you know. You know what's amazing to me? Pete Rose uh, made his major debut. It's got to be close to 50 years ago. Um, and he's still headline news. <laughs> Not just in Cincinnati, Actually, but in America. It's over 50 years ago. Has it been over? I guess at this point it has been. It was either, I mean, think it, it was either 63 or 64. <laughs> How many other people who were relevant in the mid-60s can get uh, you know this much coverage still today? For all his faults, and he has so many faults that, again, I don't want to defend him. Uh, that's sort of a, a amazing thing. Isn't that insane that he's still headline news <laughs> to, to this day? Um, what a unique uh, – I want to write his biography. Too um, late. Too late. <laughs> uh, I want to write the definitive biography, I guess. There you go. Uh, all right, man. What else we got here? Anything you that's want to talk about? Anything? That's all you've got for now. I don't believe a word of that. Uh, you've got plenty more, but that seems like a good place to stop. Um, guys, go and, and, and check us out at redlegnation.com where you'll have coverage of the Reds every single day. Uh, go subscribe to the podcast, Red Leg Nation Radio. Go to iTunes and subscribe to it, or if you use a, whatever you use to subscribe to podcasts, subscribe to us. If you do use iTunes, go on there and, uh, and give us a rating, a good rating, please. And a review, because that's part of how uh, their algorithm there at iTunes pushes uh, pushes podcasts up the, up the rank, rankings. Not that I care about the rankings, but it will help us uh, get exposed to more people. Um, so give us a good review if you like us. If you don't like us, as I always say, keep your mouth shut. Um, but tell your friends if you do like us, and uh, let's, let's grow this community. Uh, I'm amazed at, at this community, what we've had. Ten years of Red Leg Nation, and... Uh, uh, I need to figure out how many years of Red Leg Nation radio, but um, check us out at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. Check Bill out at Bill Red Leg N. Check me out at Dotson C if you must. Um, Bill, always, always good talking to you. Ten days till opening day. All right. Uh, no matter how uh, depressed the Reds make you, sometimes something about this time of year that uh, is cause for hope. So very excited and, and hopeful for good health and lots of wins for the old red legs this year. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. This 
Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.